Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 37 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Ken, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Ken Micah earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Civil Engineering, Environmental, and Geotechnical Engineering from the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, and a Master's in Applications of Engineering Management, also from Platteville. He has held multiple positions, mainly in consulting, currently as an Operations Manager at O'Brien & Gear. Ken is also heavily involved in STEM advocacy and in the Society of Civil Engineers. Welcome to the show, Ken. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I think you nailed it pretty much on the head right there about my uh, education. And uh, my career started out as an environmental engineer right after college and continued on working into various positions uh, as a field service team leader, and then into operations manager, now with O'Brien Gear. Ken, so let's dig right in here. You have a civil engineering degree and working as a consultant. Could you share with STEM Nation the type of career paths that are available to civil engineers? Sure. There's about four uh, general areas that a civil engineer can follow under. Um, The first one I would say is government. Uh, There's quite a few civil engineers that go work for government agencies, um, which could be anywhere from a transportation agency for the state of Wisconsin, that would be Wisconsin Department of Transportation, or even at the federal level, uh, the DOT uh, for the federal government. Additionally, there's other opportunities in government working for local municipalities, uh, local counties, uh, working on roadways, as well as uh, piping infrastructure for sewer, uh, drinking water, as well as uh, storm sewers. And then um, in other areas, there's the uh, Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. And I know other states have different agencies of similar nature, working on regulations for wetlands, waterways, or the other area in government, as well as uh, United States Army Corps of Engineers, which work on the federal waterways. Besides the government area, there is the private practice. He's working for private companies various private companies that I've seen working in the civil engineering area have been those in the municipal waste industry. So I know a couple of engineers that work for waste management or advanced disposal. And then also uh, another industry would be education. Many civil engineers go on to get their master's and PhDs working in the education field, doing research and also teaching and then consulting being the fourth, the one that I am in right now, and that could be either working for private companies, working for government companies, or even working for private property owners. Ken, thanks for that great overview. And let's get specific in what is your area of expertise? So my area of expertise for about the last 10 years has been in the environmental remediation industry. Um, I started out working on various construction projects all over the country, working on cleaning up areas that have been impacted based on industrial practices that were going on from the mid to late 1800s into up till probably 1970s even. Um, Anything from manufactured gas plant sites where the byproducts were accidentally released into the environment 
to uh, PCB cleanups from not understanding the processes that we were using back then and finding out that what we were doing was not the most appropriate way for disposal of materials. So how did you get interested in civil engineering over the other types of STEM careers? I got interested in the civil engineering back when I was in, uh, towards my middle senior year of high school. I had some things going on in high school where I really didn't think about a college education. And then once I actually had the time to think about an education, it was getting to the deadline for applying for colleges. And my cousin was a civil engineer at Platteville about to graduate and she encouraged me to go to Platteville and to become a civil engineer. And up to that point, I actually had worked a summer job at a civil engineering firm doing various outdoor activities with surveying and uh, infiltration testing. And I thought, well, I enjoy being outside a lot. I heard that there's a good career path in civil engineering. So I decided to head out to Platteville and get my civil engineering degree and haven't looked back since. All right, great. That's a great overview, Ken, and thanks for that insight into how you determined to become a civil engineer. Sometimes, STEM Nation, you don't know what you want to go for, and you're going to get some advice from some, some friends, some relatives, and, you know, in Ken's example, he got some advice from a relative, and he pursued it, and now he's a, a great success in the civil engineering um, environment. So, Ken... A, a typical work day, you know, you, you were doing some survey work as, uh, you know, prior to college, out, out in the outdoors. Does your job today take you into the outdoors? Are you typically sitting in an office doing paperwork, or what does your day look like? I don't really have a typical day, which is one thing that I love about my career path that I've taken. Not one single day has been the same, which is awesome. I like uh, the constant change, something new every day. Uh, early on in my career, I was outside almost every single day of the week. Uh, usually when you start out in civil engineering, depending on where you end up, but um, I've heard a lot of uh, the same thing in the private or in the consulting industry, that you spend a lot of your time working on the projects, putting, implementing them to help yourself get a good basis and understanding of what really happens in the real world, which is different from what you see in the books. And so... Early on in my career, I was in the field a lot for the first couple of years. And then as I progressed in my career, I started working part-time in the field and then part-time in the office. And then uh, most recently, when I became an operations manager, I found myself actually back in the field again, not so much doing the hands-on work, but going out to the various sites and meeting with our teams, implementing those projects and helping them ensure that they have the right tools in place for their success. So it's been, uh, there has been no constant week where I'll say I'm in the office five days a week or I'm in the field five days a week. It's a constant change every week. So being able to switch from office to field to office to field um, is something that I've enjoyed because it's, like I said, it's very diverse and it's constantly changing. So, Ken, there's a lot of students uh, interested in STEM careers, but they don't want to be sitting in the office. So it sounds like civil engineering may be one of the avenues they could pursue. If somebody did not want to be in the office and wanted to be in the field almost 100% of the time, what would be the right path for them to choose in civil engineering? Well, I, if somebody wanted to pursue a career in STEM and they want to be in the field all the time, I would say you don't need to be a civil engineer if you don't want to be a civil engineer. But I would say if, pursue a degree that's 
got uh, something around environmental and sciences. Um, I know there's environmental science degrees out there, and I've met very great candidates with those degrees, and I've hired several of them. But you could also look at other careers, too, besides civil engineering, look at environmental engineering. Um, I've met many uh, chemical engineers as well that work in the environmental remediation industry, um, but also geologists and hydrogeologists are also out there. And if somebody doesn't have the ability to pursue a four-year degree but a two-year degree, another option would be an environmental technician degree from a tech school. Um, met many of those people as well, and they do great in the industry, and they're constantly in the field as well. You know, it's all really dependent on what you want to do with your career and what you want to pursue. You know, if you're willing to travel, which I have been in my career, you can find a lot more opportunities than if somebody that doesn't want to travel. So you don't need to be a civil engineer to be able to be out of the office constantly. But there's, you know, different avenues that you can go in to look at. All right, Ken, we're going to change gears here a little bit. And what is one thing that really has you fired up in the civil engineering arena? I would say right now, the opportunities in the civil engineering um, for business and growth. It doesn't matter if you're in consulting private practice or in government um, or education. Right now, there is tons of opportunities out there. Uh, with the, you know, the big thing out there in the industry right now is the transportation uh, issues and the infrastructure issues. A lot of our infrastructure was built 50 to 100 years ago, and we are needing to replace them. And right now, trying to find sustainable, economical ways to repair this infrastructure and get infrastructure that will last us another 50 to 100 years is on the top of our priorities. And so being able to work with our uh, private industry, working with our government to find these ways to fund them and to get the sustainable infrastructure in place is key. You know, sustainability hasn't become big until the last 10 years. And a lot of civil engineers are changing their ways to show that, hey, you know, if we could spend $10 million now for a role that will last 10 years. But if we spend, say, $15 million now, and we can get this to last for 20 years or 30 years, is that more sustainable? Yes. you know. And so finding those ways and thinking outside the box to give our society a better product is one thing that I find most exciting today. So in civil engineering, is there, you know, like in a lot of the STEM uh, careers like uh, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, there's a lot of research and development that, that goes on. Does that also exist in the civil engineering arena if you were to go for, let's say, a master's or a PhD in civil engineering? Yes, there is a ton of research out there right now. A few areas I know that there's research going on. and One for transportation is using um, different byproducts that we have in our society to help uh, eliminate the need for raw resources. For example, sand has become material that's starting to be noticed in short supply. And so finding different byproducts like glass, which glass cannot be recycled as easy as other products. So pulverizing glass down and using that in place of sand is one option that's out there. Another thing that is out there in research and development on the environmental side is looking at different ways that we could uh, handle contamination. You know, a lot of people think that the best way to remove contamination is by digging it out and putting it in a landfill. However, all you're doing is transferring the source. What if we are able to lock the source in place and then 
uh, minimize it from being an effect on the environment. That way you're preventing greenhouse gases from being uh, transferred all over by transporting the material to another location. And even by putting it in landfill, you're not really locking the material in place. You're just transporting and letting it sit in another location. By locking the contamination up, you're preventing it from leaching and potentially being another issue down the road. All right, Ken, and now we are going to move into an aha moment. Could you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us a story and how you turn that aha moment into success? Over my early career, I started um, doing a lot of construction uh, oversight, construction management, which ended up giving me uh, some leadership training. And as I progressed over a couple of years, I started noticing that I was giving more and more of these leadership opportunities. During the same time, I decided to go back and get my master's in engineering. And I actually started uh, my master's in not engineering management, but in structural and geotechnical engineering. And about two to three semesters in, as I was going through the program, I just looked at all the different electives that I could take to finish up my master's. And I realized that a lot of the electives that I was looking at taking related to engineering management. And so at that point, I realized, oh, my gosh, I should be looking at the engineering management uh, emphasis more than the structural and geotechnical because of everything that's been going on with my career. And then also all the leadership opportunities that I had in uh, American Society of Civil Engineers. And so it was pretty much an aha moment. Yes, I should be, you know, going after this uh, engineering management masters and not the uh, geotechnical and structural masters. Yes, yeah, Nation, you, you got to be open when you make a decision like Ken did to go down and pursue a master's degree. He's kind of head down, heading down the, you know, the a non-management type uh, degree but he's open to, to seeing what he really likes, and he's able to pivot. So you got to be able to pivot STEM Nation when you need to and just be open to that. And, Ken, we are going to go back to when you were 18 heading off to college, heading off to Platteville. STEM careers are not easy. They're challenging. So what are some things that you think would help STEM Nation launch into college successfully? I think one thing that you can do is... Remember that a lot of the courses that you are going to take in college and that you might struggle with, you might not be using later on in life. For example, I know a lot of people where I went to school struggled with calculus and uh, engineering chemistry. And a lot of those classes that they have you take is a basis for future classes. But they're also they also use it to help you start thinking outside the box, especially on the calculus side. And so while in you might think, oh my gosh, you know, calculus, I don't, I can't, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. You know, why do I want to be doing calculus when I go out into the real world? To be honest, I've never used calculus since I graduated. It's just that, you know, it's how it helps you understand, you know, how to get from point A to point B by thinking outside the box and using your problem solving skills that you may have already or that you may need uh, to work on. You know, some people do use calculus after their undergraduate degree. A lot of those are, are types that go on for their master's in a technical field or go on for a Ph.D. and need to uh, derive equations based on the problems that they're trying to solve. But one thing I had to teach myself in college when getting through those tough courses was just dig in now, do your research on what you need to figure out with that course, uh, 
and study hard because in the end one day it will pay off and you might not need to use it in the in the future if you're happy about not using it in the future that's okay but it at least helps you understand the basis and helps you work on your problem solving skills which is a huge thing in the stem industry problem solving and ken going from college into your professional career what are some skills or attributes you think are needed by stemmers to be successful the one thing i would say is as soon as you graduate and go into consulting or any type of career remember that what you read in a book which was black and white is not 100 percent how it's going to act in the real world i would say the real world is uh, many shades of different colors and you need to be able to understand that okay what i learned in the book is here but this is what's going on in the real world being able to take what you learned in the book and applying it to the real world is huge but thinking that you can just take the book and do a one-for-one application is not always true. So, you know, the whole problem-solving and thinking outside the box is key. All right, Ken, and we are going to take a quick pause and thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost, and you keep the audiobook. And Ken, are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? The best uh, advice I've ever received was that it's when you make a mistake that it's not what the mistake was that people look at. They look at how you rebound from the mistake and make the situation better. And Ken, what's a personal habit that contributes to your success? A personal habit that, uh, that contributes to my success is my ability to drive things. Um, when I'm given a task, um, I like to drive it through the end. I don't like to pass it off to somebody else if I don't need to. And I like to make sure that it's, uh, it ends in success. And so part of that is picking up the phone and making phone calls. There's a lot of instances in our society where we just rely, rely back on sending emails. And as you people find out in this, their early STEM careers that a lot of people get a lot of emails. And it's hard to work through the weeds at times of your email box. And so sometimes it just makes sense to just pick up the phone and talk through uh, situations with people. Because then, too, it's hard to really read people and understand their thinking in emails at times. And when you're able to actually have a uh, verbal conversation, whether it's in person or by phone, you're able to solve problems a lot uh, faster and get things done a lot faster. And what's your favorite internet resource or phone app and why? LinkedIn. I use that a lot to help find uh, the people that I need or the contact information that I need for individuals out there, especially that don't work for my company, that I, I can't just look up in the address books of the company. I work in a field where you're constantly working with different people across the country. And so by being able to connect with them and understand their uh, backgrounds helps me understand you know, what type of person I'm talking to and how I can... Uh, best communicate with them and then also have their uh, phone numbers and emails if they provide them on the on their uh, profile page. And if you had to recommend one book, what would that be and why? Well, the one book I would recommend and it's I, it's come across me and mine multiple times is the book uh, Who Moved My Cheese? It's a book about learning that you can't stay stagnant in a career and you need constant change and if you push back on change in the end, you will not find yourself in a position that you want to be in. And Ken, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we will say goodbye. 
the only advice that I think that would be most appropriate would be, you know, as you are pursuing your college degree, um, some weeks are going to be very busy with exams and other projects. Other weeks are going to be a little bit easier. Just knowing that, you know, some weeks are going to be easier and then other weeks you just need to dig in and put the hours in. And once you can figure that out in your college career, you'll find that out in your uh, um, professional career as well, that there's some weeks where, hey, you know, it's it's an easy week. Thank you. Um, and other weeks where you just got to put in, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks. And it, it's just it is what it is. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect uh, career work life balance. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the easiest thing, but if you can accomplish that in college and understand that in college, you'll be uh, far ahead once you graduate and go into a career. All right, Ken, thanks for all that great insight and value. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thanks, Jeff. appreciate the time. Thanks, Ken. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Ken. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. Tune in next week where we talk with Victoria, who has a general engineering degree. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.